This is the Podcast Inc. production. Booyah! This is the moment podcasting fans listening around the world have been waiting for. Coming to you not so live from a listening device of your choice. It's time! Podcasting out of this corner, a mixed martial talker, holding no professional record. He stands at six feet one and one half inches tall, weighing in at whatever he feels like, hailing out of Toronto, Ontario, Canada, presenting the sometimes angry, always funny, Self-proclaimed podcasting champion of the world, Steve Fingerstyles! So, welcome to another rendition of the podcast. I am here once again, always again, and brought to you by First Road Collectibles, if you're into nerd culture, if you're into science sports memorabilia, if you're into wrestling memorabilia, please visit firstroll.ca. Use promo code THEPODCAST20. You'll get 20% off. They ship worldwide. Like I said, everything nerd culture related. They have comic books. They have signed wrestling figures, signed old WWF magazines, whatever you need or want. Even stuff you've never thought of that you that you would want. They have. Best thing, they update daily so you can visit them every day. And like I said, use promo code THEPODCAST20. If you're into video games and books, Please visit BossFightBooks.com today for great books on classic video games. You'll find titles like NBA Jam, Red Dead Redemption, Resident Evil, and so many others. Everything you see on their websites available in paperback and ebook format. So please check them out. That is BossFightBooks.com. And if you want to support me directly, please visit my merchandise store at tpublic.com or scroll down on today's device you're listening to on. It's embedded right there in the description. Click on that link. It takes you right to the merchandise store. I got everything from hoodies to t-shirts to travel mugs to COVID masks still. Hopefully not for long, but still for now. And anything else you need or want, it is there. But if you don't want to do anything monetarily, it's totally understandable. The easiest thing, the freest thing, the most important thing, please. Every podcaster knows this. I don't know why listeners don't do this. Takes two seconds. Do it on the shitter. Do it on your commute. It doesn't matter. Rate, subscribe, review on all major platforms. But most specifically, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. So this week's guest is a writer, actor, and comedian whose work has been featured on CBC, Just for Laughs, and Comedy Network, just to name a few. He has four albums, which you could listen to on Spotify, and he is the host of Talkin' Wrestling Podcast, Casey Corbin. Hey, thanks for having me. This is great. No, thank you. Thank you for coming aboard. Before we even get started, we were talking off air how we had so many interchangeable guests and how we've never crossed paths before being both from Toronto just blows my mind. That's hilarious. Yeah, it's right? quite funny. Like, yeah, definitely. Like, you like like what you said. Aside from wrestlers, aside, two of my roommates have done your show, <laughs> and you know what I mean. So, yeah, yeah. But finally, but uh, but both of those roommates said that your show was great too. 
So, so it it was great to hear that uh, just just from two of my roommates alone, well, past roommates, uh, you know, that uh, this was a a good deal. So, yeah, to be on the show, thanks for having me. No, it's it's awesome to have you, of course, of course. So, before we get into wrestling, obviously, because you you do host a wrestling podcast, and I have wrestling guests, like we mentioned. Let's talk about your comedy career, my friend. So, when did you get into comedy? What sparked? When did you think you could do this for a living? How did it all get the ball rolling, as you say? Well, I think it started when I uh, first saw Eddie Murphy in Delirious, uh, oh, probably when man. I was about uh, 12. Okay. Uh, you know, because I had an older brother. So we watched it together. Sure. And it affected me much differently than it affected him. For me, that was everything I ever wanted to be. I, like, just one guy on a stage, everybody's looking at him, everybody's laughing at him. <laughs> And it's just, to me, everything about, like, I'm, I'm a middle child. Okay. So that middle child syndrome is real. Like, I always acted out because I wanted attention. Oh, uh, my brother sure. got all the attention. And then my sister, the, you know, big the, the first child, the first boy, and then the daddy's little princess. I'm just the kid in the middle, you know. Sure, they didn't, you know, if, if If they would have been happy with me, they would have stopped after me. <laughs> but they kept going. That's hilarious. <laughs> But they, yeah, they wanted because I wasn't a girl. They wanted that girl. Every couple wants a boy and a girl. It's true. But then you get the middle one and you get two of one. It's oh. like, we got to go again. And then when you go again, you realize they're only going because they weren't happy with their second choice, their second sure. you're born. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, we get it, uh, you know, and we do crave attention. Right. And there's no, there's no, you know, so when I saw that, I was just like, that was it. That was the first time I saw stand-up. Sure. And then I just became obsessed with it and immersed myself in it. And uh, I told my parents when I was 16 that I was going to become a stand-up comedian. That's oh, wow. what I wanted to be for my for my for a living. So, uh, yeah. So I knew when I was 16. Didn't start till I was 21. But, okay. you know, knew when I was 16. Yeah. Wish I would have started when I was 16. That's, <laughs> you know, it would have been reps. a lot better. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, so, right? So I, I ended up starting in 1994. Okay. Um, yeah, and, which is uh, over 25 years ago. So nice. uh, my first amateur night was then. I, I maybe had like three or four shows that year. Okay. But then the each, as each year built up, more shows, more shows. But I didn't really start getting, well, I got off amateur nights maybe in 97, 98. Sure. Uh, I came up in Ottawa, Okay. which was a great, great time. Um, because so much was happening in Ottawa as far as comedy. You had the stand-up scene, which included myself, uh, John Doerr, mm. uh, who's well-known now, um, Tracy McDonald. She went down and won Star Search in 2002. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, Tom Green became Tom Green. He didn't become Tom Green, but he really perfected Tom Green in the late 90s on, on Ottawa Cablevision and then right. taking it to CBC, then eventually to MTV. Right. Uh, you know, so Ottawa, the comedy scene was was right. And when I look at everybody that I came up with us, mm. um, 10 or 11 of us got specials from Comedy Now. So that's a big, like, in a, in a, a small fish pond because... Right? It's not like the Toronto comedy community. Ottawa's smaller, right. especially back then. Of course. But for 11 comics out of one community right. to get uh, specials, that's, crazy. That's, pretty, that's pretty good. That's saying something about the club that's popping all of these fucking comics out. So, 
kudos to the original Yuck Yucks on Albert Street in, <laughs> uh, in, in Ottawa because uh, there was something special about that club that also put out Jeremy Hawks and Norm MacDonald and many, many more comics than Chris Finn and, and, uh, and you know, um, oh, jeepers, uh, Rick Curry, you know, like so many other great comics over the years. That, con- that, that, that club produced is amazing. So that's awesome. Glad man. to be a part of it. So what was your biggest fear performing the first time? Were you scared of the audience, scared of fucking up or falling flat on your face? What was it? Did, or did you even have a fear? I didn't have fear. I oh, had like okay. 16 beer in me. Oh, I, <laughs> that'll do it. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was drunk the first time Shit. I uh, okay. did it. But, but uh, luckily I was doing the same routine that I did at every party I was at. I okay. used to just sit in the corner of the kitchen sure. and just tell stories. Ah, and makes sense. I was a ki- so I was a kitchen comedian mm-hmm. before I went into becoming an amateur comic. Sure. And, uh, yeah, I used the same closer, uh, the same story, and then I wrote new material, and then eventually I kept writing and writing. And, uh, you know, about 97, I started getting really good at... Uh, you know, doing contests and placing fourth and, uh, you know, and yeah. And then by, you know, 98, I got my first paid spot. There you go. And by 2001, I was on TV for the first time. So uh, I did Comedy Club at 54. Mm. Uh, Comedy Club 54, <laughs> which is very old. It's still on today. Is uh, it? It's still air. Yeah, it's on oh, CHCH on Monday and Thursday nights. Oh, okay. There you go. So... Yeah, I tape them all because I like show, when my friends show up on them, and then I take a screenshot and be like, "Look at this!" And then they're like, "Everybody's mad because we don't get paid residuals from it." Uh, but sure. you know, it's it's now twenty years later, and they're still airing. That's crazy. You know, it's the same with the comedy now. The comedy now still air on much like two to three in the morning. Oh shit! And uh, you know, every four days, you know, if they'll they'll play it two times in one week or something like that. So. Okay. Uh, but we don't get residuals from that either, but, uh, but it's just funny. So, so yeah. So anyways, that's, uh, yeah, that's when I start in Ottawa. That's when I, uh, you know, got, got it going and, uh, I moved to Toronto in, uh, 2002. Oh, okay. So, yeah. But by the time I moved to Toronto, I made sure, uh, I was a working comedian at that point. Like Mm, I had, I was able to drive anywhere Mm. with a half hour of material. Sure. And, uh, if you have a half hour material, that's decent and you can drive and you're a nice guy, you'll work forever because there's always comics that need drives, you know? Of course. So yeah. So, yeah, totally. So when did the acting come into play? Uh, acting is something that I'd not, I hardly do. I do it here and there. Um, you know, like, uh, I would get on like back. Oh, well, like there'd be like much music shows and, oh, um, Everybody was doing video on trial. Yeah. My roommate was a star of video on trial, like one of the big name guys, Boomer Phillips. Okay. And I never did video on trial because that was his show. Um, so I did other shows. Like I did shows like Heat Meter on Much More Music. <laughs> sure. I did, I did, um, I did uh, the true, the totally untrue adventures of. Britney Spears. Oh wow! I played a frat guy that just came out and puked. Okay. I did a few commercials <laughs> okay, yeah. uh, here and there. Um, you know, my my acting career is, and then you know, I did uh, 
I did a web series in 2007 with my buddy Rory Scovel, okay. who's gone on to way bigger and better things than I have. Uh, and then also, Tommy Campbell and I put out uh, several shorts that have been featured on Funny or Die. Mm. Uh, so those count as acting. Okay. And then um, I did some pilots called The Lance Sherborne Show, which are on my YouTube page. And, uh, and that was all much music stuff, too, that just... It never, it never worked out or sure. whatever. But uh, the last thing I did was um, Humor Resources with John Doerr, but I just had to be myself. Okay. So, yeah, I got interviewed in the same room that I'm being interviewed in right now. Oh, <laughs> that's cool. When it, I'll tell you what's cool about it. Colt Cabana saw it. Oh, shit, okay. He's a, he's a John Doerr fan. Oh, okay. And he, he actually uh, texted me or emailed me on uh, Twitter. Hmm. And said, is that Sabu on your wall behind you? Oh, shit. And <laughs> That's what he, he noticed. Just, <laughs> he noticed that my wall was filled with, filled with wrestling photos. Right. And uh, he noticed Sabu because Sabu's doing the Sabu pose. Right, right. And so that's so funny because then I hit him up. That's funny. I said, yeah, it is. I was like, how did you ever see this picture? He's like, oh, I watched the John Doerr show. And I'm like, and then, mm. told, and then I said, do you want to do my podcast? And... You know, Dark Order or no Dark Order, he did it. So, That's awesome. uh, you know, which was great. He was the last actual guest I had because now I just have sort of a co-host and we just talk wrestling. Sure. So, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, yeah, it's cool. It's cool like that. So, okay, obviously COVID hindered you from doing stand-up. Have you gone back yeah. to it yet or are you still waiting for, like, some more shit to clear up? No, I'm good. I'm double. Okay. I went back before I had vaccines. Last oh, shit. Okay. Yeah, I, I went back and I, I actually did some touring. I went and did a festival out in Edmonton last year. Oh, wow. Okay. And uh, when I got back from out west, I got COVID uh, tested because I felt out west was a little crazy. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> but now I'm, yeah, but now I'm double vaxxed. Okay. I have no, re- I'm no worry about traveling. Um, I, you feel, I feel pretty invincible. And uh, even though I can go out to Calgary and, uh, you know, I think the shows will be great. I'm with John Dorr at the Kamloops uh, Comedy Festival uh, for the next those next two weeks. So a little bit of a reunion, a couple of Ottawa guys, sure. uh, good friends. And uh, we're going to be killing audiences all over uh, Calgary and well, not all, at the Laugh Shop at the Blackfoot Inn. And, uh, and, and in Kamloops at the several venues we are at, at, we're at for the Camelops Comedy Fest. So, looking forward to that. There you go. And you also dropped an album pretty much during COVID, like last June, right? So, yeah. was that all from result of not being able to perform? So you had time to write more and whatever, and then you decided to drop it. Yeah. Well, well, the album I dropped was like was just basically my special from uh, from two thousand and eight that I did oh. for CTV. Okay. And, uh, and and it's the same special. But there's no audio version of it. There's the only oh, video version of it. Okay, so um, okay. nobody actually knows who owns these specials now <laughs> because the production company is gone and the sure. person and the head producer is dead. Oh my god! So okay. yeah, so nobody actually knows who owns these specials. So uh, I just said, "What the hell?" I ripped the audio off it and I put it on Spotify. Because it's a good, it's a great special. I'm very proud of it, and it sounds so good because it's mixed and mastered by uh, an actual show. Okay. So I'm like, fuck it. I'm gonna look at. So many people have put their specials up on YouTube. 
the video version. Who cares if I rip the audio and put it out on Spotify? You know, so that was my fourth album on Spotify. It has the same material as some of the other albums. Okay. But this is like a special show because it's my special. Mm-hmm. But uh, but you're right. I do. I did do a lot of writing in COVID. Okay. I've got another album that's currently being put together. Nice. And then I plan on recording another album in Halifax later this year. So by the end of this year, I hope to have another album out by the end of this year, a new album out in early next year, and then by fall, a Greatest Hits album. Because by that time, if I get the next two albums out, I'll have six albums nice. on Spotify. And it seems like a seventh album is a good time to do a Greatest Hits. Oh, there you go. So, you know, so... Uh, yeah, so that's that, that's my plans for the next three albums. So one guaranteed by this fall, one next spring, and then one and again in the fall. So Louis C.K. used to brag about doing an hour a year. Right. I'm gonna put three albums out, two four albums out in two years. So <laughs> there you go. You know, fuck you. And I didn't take my dick out to, and show it in front of anyone. <laughs> so so whatever. Oh, that's hilarious. Well, I don't want to ruin too much of your last special because obviously I want people to listen to it. But two bits hit hit me the most. Obviously, riding the the bus high, that's just fantastic because me and myself as a cannabis lover, that's what I used to do as a teenager. Like we'd even ride the TTC like in in Toronto, obviously. We'd ride the subway from one end to the other sometimes. And you'd see see crazy shit going on. Like, you know what I mean? And then the other... The other, obviously, and okay, well, first, the thing is, with your right, with your performance and everything, I love smart writing and I love smart jokes. Like, okay, I like sloppy jokes too and I like whatever, but the smart writing is what gets to me because it's stuff that you don't really hear all the time. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's sort of more, I, I don't want to say you guys are better at it, but it's sort of more creative in my opinion, at least the way I consume comedy. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So th- these type of jokes and because you could relate and the other one was when you used to swear and then eating soap. Fantastic shit. Because coming from a European family, when I used to swear, I'd get a uh, hot pepper on, on, on my tongue. <laughs> See, oh, okay, that's that's terrible. Uh, but at least, <laughs> you know, but at least a glass of milk is going to help you. Uh, a glass that's of true. milk with a bar of soap with me is not going to do anything but make it even worse. You know? Um, yeah, that but that's but that that uh, that joke is one hundred percent true. I love that joke uh, because fantastic. It is my grandfather did wash our mouth out with Buckley's cough syrup, so um, so that was even worse than the soap. But but that was like he the Buckley's struck the fear into us. We would not swear around our grandfather, right? Because he. He would you you would see that Buckley's on the shelf <laughs> and you didn't want any part of it any part of it and you know and I love that Buckley's eventually would just fess up and like yeah it's awful but it works it works exactly you know so smart brilliant it was so I, I, the thing about that joke is I didn't plan on that joke to be in the special oh okay. because I I made it really dirty because there's a there's priest molesting. There's a whole bunch of swear words in it. Right. Uh, I'm talking about Buckley's looking like cum. <laughs> you know, like, it's a dirty, dirty joke. Like, it's a, I'm not a dirty comedian. I, I used, they used to say I was. Right. But, like, I try to write what I call clever dirt. Thank you. Uh, exactly. You know? That's what I'm saying. And, yes. And um, I try to show my clever. I love that but, term. Because I don't write about sucking and fucking. Right. You know, I'm like, 
I like to have a story <laughs> or some sort of joke behind the stuff. Yes. You know, I'm not against sucking and fucking, but, you know, <laughs> if I'm going to do sucking and fucking, it's going to be in the joke about trucking mm-hmm. in the earlier joke where I'm at the West Edmonton Mall and I'm in the truck room. You know, so then I got time for trucking and fucking and everything to suck, you know, like, but whatever. But I'm just saying, um, you know, I made that joke extra dirty because I was trying to get a joke about the CFL in. But the joke about the CFL, the final punchline was about AIDS. Okay. And I didn't think it would. I said, I said, if I do this dirty Buckley's priest molesting joke. And if I do this dirty joke over here, and I have all these dirty jokes, they'll cut out my dirty jokes and keep my clean CFL joke, even though the last punchline's about AIDS. Ah. And uh, no, they didn't do that. They left in all the dirty stuff oh and they took God. out the CFL joke. Shit. Because CTV made the special, and they are also a big sponsor for the CFL. Oh. So I should have realized that, you know. Makes They're sense. not going to let me make fun of the guy that had AIDS that played in the CFL. Right. Which I think is very funny because they let a guy play in the CFL with AIDS. In the C- For example, in the NFL, they won't let you play with COVID. <laughs> but in the CFL, they'll let you play with AIDS. Right. Just think about that for a second. You know, I was on like, and then the joke is like, who's going to want to catch the AIDS guy? You? <laughs> like, they're, I'm like, the, CF, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, they didn't even let them put, put them at running back. Oh my That's God. why they lost. Because <laughs> if you put them at running back right. and just put AIDS on his back, oh my God. Just, nobody's going to want to catch him. That's hilarious. So, yeah, everybody will just run the other way. So I was like, who's going to catch the AIDS guy? Nobody wants to catch the disease, let alone a guy that has it. Right. You know, so, so anyways, that was basically the... The joke, and then, um, and it all happened in Saskatchewan, mm. and they're not happy about the joke, and they're not happy about the player because now they have an AIDS infested Regina. <laughs> so, so you know, That's and hilarious. that joke is on. Oh, uh, I didn't get to put it on the special, but it's on my first CD. Vampires are popular. Oh, there. So, you go. yeah, 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 and it's uh, it's a fun joke to do. I actually used to do it in Saskatchewan, and the owner would always give me shit. Because he's like, you know, that player's come in here. And I was like, well, that player's a piece of shit. Because he was in Regina sleeping with women, not telling them he had AIDS. Mm. You know? So, I don't mind doing a joke about him. I won't say his name because he's a piece of shit. There you go. But, um, you know, the fact that he was going around. It's hard enough for guys to get laid. Let alone the CFL players that have AIDS that are going around ruining it for everyone. Come on. Be like, I'm not going to sleep with you. The last CFL player I slept with had AIDS. Oh, my God. You know? So, what are you going to do? And where do you go from there? (laughs) We can go anywhere. So, you're obviously a wrestling fan. Do you incorporate anything wrestling related into your act? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, for example... um, when Michelle Shaughnessy used to live with me, mm. she had a dog, a Chihuahua, okay. that she named the Macho Man. <laughs> and That's yes. awesome. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? If you saw the size of the Chihuahua's <laughs> dick, you'd realize he was a Macho Man. But this Macho Man was an abused dog, a rescue dog. Oh, okay. So it always had the shivers and was always afraid of everything. Sure. Not Macho at all. <laughs> Completely. And, and uh, 
it only wanted heat. It would just want to lay under a heater. Gotcha. That's all it ever wanted. Okay, yeah, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> every now and again, these shitheads would shit in my apartment. Okay. And uh, her and her other chihuahua, Shorty. <laughs> and um, so I, had a, I got a water gun that I'd shoot at raccoons every now and again sure. in the backyard. <laughs> so uh, I took the water gun and shot the chihuahuas, and uh, Macho Man didn't like it. So one time I pulled out the shotgun, the water, the, the, the water gun in the backyard, yeah. and then Macho Man hid in the backyard, and I could not find him. So I had to go looking through the neighborhood, yelling for the Macho Man. Oh, my God. Going, yelling, Macho Man, come back. Macho Man, where are you? Macho Man, where did you go? And then I passed the guy on the porch who was smoking a joint. And he said, dude, that wrestler's been dead for 10 years. <laughs> so he probably thought you were all fucked up. <laughs> he thought I was fucked up looking for a macho man, Randy right? Savage. <laughs> Shit. And I'm like, no, I'm looking for macho man, the big dick chihuahua. <laughs> you know? So, you know, R.I.P. Macho Man. And then, you know, Ooh. I also, uh, when I one. do uh, wrestling shows, I've opened up for many wrestlers that have done taken up public speaking in order to do different things. Sure. Like I, I was with uh, Ted DiBiase's first show where oh, nice. he did stand up. Sure. I was with Rick Steamboat, his first show where okay. he did stand up. Uh, so I helped these guys and I helped punch up their jokes and stuff like that. And, uh, and they're great, great people. Like Ted DiBiase, I said, can we do a video promo for my podcast? Right. And he said, sure. I was like, okay, this is what I have in mind. Right. Uh, I'm going to give you $100 Canadian, yeah. and you're going to give it to me if I can eat three Pringles okay. in a row. <laughs> and I'll eat the first Pringle, and then I'll eat the second Pringle, and then, and then the third Pringle, you just slap it out of my hand. Of course. And he he laughed. He goes, okay. <laughs> I was like, That's awesome. I'm pretty sure you know what to do. You don't need much direction here. Right. And uh, so sure enough, we do that. I was like, He's like, all right, if you can eat these three Pringles in three seconds, I'll give you $100 Canadian. And he's like, I'm like, ready? Go. I'm like, one, two. And he knocks the third one out of his hand. Of course. And then he goes, I love it. And then he's like, uh, you know, then I'm like talking wrestling, blah, 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 blah. I do the promo. Sure. But I never realized how difficult to do a promo with two chips in your mouth <laughs> that aren't fully chilled. I'm spitting sure. chips. Like, <laughs> but it's just like, just to get to do that moment with Ted DiBiase right. is a bucket list thing. I, you know, like, you know, and it's so great. Like, that's what I love about talking wrestling is allowed me to meet some of my favorite wrestlers, right. talk with them. And and uh, and it's just it's so great. I love talking to wrestlers. I love interviewing wrestlers. Yep. And I love hearing wrestling stories. Of you course. know, it's the best, isn't it? It's almost as good. It's almost as good as hanging out with comics, which is pretty much the same. So, you know, definitely very similar. Okay. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna put you on the spot. Who's the best wrestler to be a comic? The best wrestler to be a comic. Mick Foley is a great storyteller, and he's probably okay. the best one because he kind of uh, got out of the gate before everybody else. And that's really, true. Like he's the only comic that has been brought to just—I mean, wrestler that 
has been brought to Just for Last as a comic. Oh, so I did not know that. Yes, and I okay. was I was there at his midnight show. <laughs> right, right. And uh, it was great. He got goosebumps. He plays music. He walks up oh. the center. <laughs> That's awesome. You know, and uh, I love Mick Foley. Like he knows how to tell jokes. He knows what's funny. He truly is the the best one out there doing it. Dolph Ziggler. I was also on this hat. This. Uh, Dolph Ziggler heel crew. Ah. Uh, I was on his SummerSlam show um, at the um, what is it the the Rec Room downtown. Yep. Uh, yeah, I did that show with him, and uh, he had uh, you know Finn Balor told one joke. Oh, really? Uh, Dolph Ziggler. Yeah, I, it was a pun. I can't remember. Okay. <laughs> I, I just was upset because I didn't get him to tell. I didn't get to tell him my pun. Which is about him. Mm. I have a wrestling joke. I was like, so this is what it is. It's uh, Go for it. Um, how do you know that uh, Finn Balor, or no? How do you know that? When, how do you know Bullet Club likes to play golf? Mm. Because they always replace their debits. Oh my god! <laughs> Jesus. So in golf, they replace their divot, but in uh, wrestling, it's Prince Devitt, of course, who is. Uh, you know, uh, or the, the demon, the demon, uh, Finn Balor. So yeah, ooh, that was so <clears throat> fucking weird. The way that ring just snapped, it was so frustrating. Like right? after such a good match, I don't need all that supernatural stuff in my match. They were doing great before the heartbeat started. They were doing great before everything. They just <sighs> come on, just give us a clean pin. You know. Anyways, you know, yeah. So. Uh, what was that? What was the the, uh, the wrestling? Yeah, yeah. That's uh, yeah. Those yeah. two. That's so I said Mick Foley's the best comic wrestler right now, that, for sure. Now, as a comic and a writer, obviously, do you enjoy comedy and wrestling, or are you one of those like Jim Cornette? Money, uh, funny doesn't equal money. Fuck that. RK <laughs> Bro is the best thing in WCW. I mean, in WWE right now, RK Bro is the best thing going. Oh shit! And it okay. just puts a smile on my face. Okay, it's so fun. I love RK Pro. I love like all these guys are doing a ripping joints together while while they're <laughs> like that's, that's it. That's the only thing that Randy likes about oh, shit. is that they vape together. You know, like <laughs> uh, I love comedy wrestling. Like, come on, are you going to tell me comedy does not belong in wrestling? Oh, when I do. Have, Trust me, I love it. Look at uh, when when. When Kurt Angle was hurt, oh my God, that he was started awesome. doing comedy. Yes, he started doing comedy. When Stone Cold was hurt, yep, he started doing comedy. When Mick Foley was hurt, he started doing comedy. That's true. There's always room for comedy and wrestling. Yep, uh, and and like look at, look at um, Team Hell No. Yep, Kane and Daniel Bryan going to therapy, and my buddy. Matt McCarthy wrote that storyline. Oh, came shit. up with it. Nice. So shout out to Matt McCarthy from We Watch Wrestling, a great front wrestling podcast out of LA that I do guest spots on. There you go. And uh, that's the podcast that made me want to get into podcasting. Oh, so, nice. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. We Watch Wrestling. I uh, make appearances on it usually once a year. But since COVID, not so much because I don't get to go down to LA as much. So, you know, it just sucks. I don't mind doing them over 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 like this, but um, it's so much better in person. Oh, of course, especially when they're me. in LA and I'm up here. <laughs> so, when did you get into wrestling? When when did you become a fan? Oh, 
my mom was in the wrestling. Oh, my shit. Mom grew, really? My mom got me in the wrestling. Okay. Um, yeah, she, uh, like, when I was a kid, I hated wrestling. I always I always wanted to watch cartoons. Me too. And, I was scared and, of uh, it. Yeah, I didn't like it. My grandfather, uh, who was, my grandfather, who only had one leg. Oh, wow. He would sit there in his chair. Okay. And he'd turn on AWA Wrestling. Oh, wow. And I'd go over and turn it to the Secret Railroad. <laughs> some cartoon yeah. on Global. I was just and saying. he'd get mad because there was no remotes back then. Yep. He had to get up one leg and all. Oh, no. Get up to the TV. Turn the TV on and get, get out of here, you little bastard. <laughs> you know? You're right. And I called my grandpa a, a big bully because he wouldn't let me watch. Meanwhile, I wouldn't let watch him watch wrestling. But my mom used to always tell me she hated Tarzan the Boot Tyler when she was a child. Oh, and wow. she liked uh, Edward Carpentier, the flying Frenchman, was her favorite. And my mom, so how it happened was I used to watch, I'd be in the base of watching ABC's uh, Showtime special or something like that. Sure. Some by Hosted by Willie Tyler, Floyd, and Lester. Oh, wow. uh, a black uh, a guy in his puppet you know uh a ventriloquist mm-hmm. and uh i would watch that me and my, my mom upstairs would watch wrestling superstars every every lunch hour of course on saturday yeah my brother was watching wrestling with my mom i was downstairs watching the show that had nothing to do with wrestling mm-hmm. but my favorite show at the time was the 18 ah. so all of a sudden my mom came downstairs and she yelled Mr. T's on wrestling. Oh my Mr. God. T's on wrestling. Right. I ran up the stairs. I got to see Mr. T, Hulk Hogan, <laughs> all that schmoz. Awesome. And I was hooked. Right. I was like, who's that guy? Right, right. Who's this guy? He was so much bigger than Mr. T. Oh, you know? So my kid, as a kid, my room was covered with Mr. T, Hulk Hogan, and Rambo. Wow. And uh, Love it. I don't know. It's just never encouraged me to work out. <laughs> but I sure love muscles. <laughs> it's funny how you that know? is, eh? Yeah, yeah, it turns out working out is hard. <laughs> they don't tell you that. Oh, so so did you ever want to be a wrestler as a kid? Or no? Or you were like, nah, this is way beyond I my reach. I backyard wrestled and wrestled as a kid. Like, Shut up. Like, well, it was like not backyard hardcore. Okay, okay. But we had the EWS, which was the Edward Street Wrestling Society. Uh-oh. And, uh, yeah, not a lot of wrestling societies out there, except no? for ours. <laughs> EWS. And I was uh, I was the leaping lizard. I oh, liked, my God. I like Superfly. I was, so I was like a, I was a Samoan before Samoans were super popular. <laughs> sure. Because my mom had fl- towels, beach towels with flowers all over them. Oh, wow. So that okay. was my, I wore that. <laughs> And I had tape around my ankles oh, and tape this. around my wrists. Yeah, yeah. And my, I would come off the top rope, a.k.a. the doghouse, sure. uh, for my finisher on <laughs> the mattress. So the Leaping Lizard was a guy. Oh, my there was God. a Texas Ranger. He was a guy. Oh, shit. Uh, there was Opie Striper because he wore, or he wore Ocean Pacific and listened to Striper. Okay. okay. Um, there was uh, the 800-pound lady. Uh, that was my sister. What the fuck? Uh, <laughs> Yeah, we just called her the 800-pound lady. That's and, so uh, mean. <laughs> yeah, she's a little chubby. But she's good now. She's not 800 pounds now, nor near, oh. or even chubby for that matter. Shit. So, but these were some of the characters in our uh, in our league, and we okay. wrestled in the backyards and front lawns, and it was a lot safer than the oh. boxing league that we tried to start after Rocky Four. Oh my god! But we just gave each other boxing gloves and went at it on front lawns. 
and somebody was getting knocked out every night. Like, Holy shit. Yeah, the guy that was the Texas Ranger was also a little bit bigger than us. Okay. So he was just like Ivan drago in us, like, jab, 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 <laughs> boom. And then we were like, <laughs> oh, my so, God. Yeah, craziness. The good old but, days. yeah, loved it, loved it. So. so I guess it's safe to say that no one made it out of your league. <laughs> no, none of us made it out of my league. But I did take my wrestling skills, and whenever I worked at the Lone Star, I used to work at a bar, a place called Lone Star. There's one up in Etobicoke. Oh, I, we, I know it well. It's one of my wife's favorite yeah. places. I used to be the outlaw. I was outlaw, and I would treat the I would treat the bus boys like shit. <laughs> and I would like I would just take chips, throw them on the ground, and be like, "Hey, bus boy, clean oh, that oh up." Oh my god! And eventually, my tables would get mad at me. Right. And then one night, all the bus boys they uh, teamed up on me. With uh, cookie sheet trays, and they dummied me up, and everybody went nuts. And oh we God. did a whole wrestling angle in a, in a in one of the rooms. That is so during awesome. My serving shift, and it was just so much fun, and people loved it because yeah, yeah. anything can happen at Lone Star, yeah. you know. So yeah, it was uh, fantastic. Oh so my I always God. carried wrestling philosophy with me, sure. Because what I like about Andy Kaufman, who's not in the Hall of Fame, who should be in the Hall right? of Fame. Right? Isn't that weird? Come on. Who else took wrestling and put it on David Letterman? No I know, one. right? Who, and the WWE, they sell Andy Kaufman dolls. Shut up. And make money off it. Oh, fuck yeah. Oh, man. And not only that, they put the WWE had their hands all over Man on the Moon, which was the Andy Kaufman movie. They were yeah, in yeah. it. You know, so it was like, where the fuck is Andy Kaufman? Why isn't he in your Hall of Fame? That's you know, crazy. if Jerry, you can't put Jerry Lawler in with not having Andy Kaufman. Right? Without Jerry, without Andy Kaufman, Jerry Lawler would not be a household name. It's so true. So, well, well, you know what? Even up here as Canadians, unless you were a true wrestling fan, I mean, yeah. like the King Lawler, we knew him as the announcer. We didn't know him as the king and that a hundred-time world champion from Memphis that everyone in the states knew about. You know what I mean? Well, I did because I read it in the magazines. Well, but maybe you didn't, but. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. <laughs> but I, I, but remember, like when we were kids growing up, it was very hard to get wrestling. It was. That's what and I'm saying. You had to read, and you had to read the magazines. You had to read uh, the Wrestling Inquirer and Pro Wrestling Illustrated and Victory Sports Series and all these great wrestling magazines because that's how you like. That's how I followed and learned about Ric Flair and the Four Horsemen. And everything like that, because all we true. got was WWE. It's so true, basically. Yeah. It's, so, like well, when know. I first saw, uh, it, it, no, it was already WCW. When I first saw WCW for the first time, it blew my mind. I was like, "What is this? There's other wrestling than WWF." It was like on, like I think it was on CTV at the time at midnight on like a Friday or a Saturday, and yeah. it was just on. It was on after the news, and my mom was watching it, and it just came on, and I'm sitting, I'm like, "What the fuck? There's different wrestling." And yeah, it blew because it was. It wasn't character-based wrestling. It was wrestling wrestling. You know what I mean? Yeah. So something different. And me, I love yeah. some. Whenever I see something different or from not the norm of what that it was supposed to be, it blows my mind. Like when he when I first saw ECW, it blew my mind. When I first saw TNA, it blew my mind. Like you know yes. what I mean? I just love new shit. Yeah, and that's why AEW is so good. You know, there AEW you go. is is fantastic. Um, but you know, like the thing about AEW is they're like they did some like. Those guys, the, the elite guys, being the elite, like being the elite was a successful web series that that really 
did so much to elevate the boxing Kenny Omega of and Bullet Club, you know, and then like it was without that show, I, AEW would not even exist. Like it, that show is the the pretense to AEW. The fact that they're still continuing it to this day is great. Like guys go in AEW now, they're not getting enough stage time on the ring. They can go up to the box and be like, hey, can you throw me in a sketch on the show? That's true. And then all of a sudden they throw you in a sketch, and then all of a sudden millions of wrestling fans have just seen another side of your character. Yeah. Boom. You know, look what that show did for Brody Lee. You know, mm. to be in the elite, they made him the Dark Order so entertaining because he was doing that Vince McMahon character. Yeah. And was great. Um, you know, I don't, and the Dark Order, they have not fully recovered. From losing Brody Lee either mm. yet, because uh, they have nobody to that, that stepped up yet. But hopefully, Hangman Page will come back, and we'll go come back to the Dark Order. And you uh, think we'll see what you happens. think that's what they should do? Because okay, well, okay. First off, f- full closure. I was not an AEW fanboy at the start. I noticed obviously a lot of holes, but I understand why because it's a new company. You have to trip before yeah. you're able to run. I totally get it. Now I'm fully on board. I love everything they're doing. I love their philo- especially their philosophy. That's the one thing that kept me around was their open door philosophy, how you're able to be who you want to be and they accept everyone and you could have the same last name as someone else. You could have the same gimmick. It doesn't matter. Like I, I love all that. Like I don't like the cookie cutter shit from WWE, obviously. What, yeah. I think what keeps me really enthralled with WWE is their lore and the ability of them getting legends back that you don't see every so often. You know what I mean? Because every so often they'll throw you that surprise that's like that's right this is why i love wwe but yeah aw feels like almost not really attitude error because you can't really say that because there's quality wrestling and obviously everyone knows attitude error was just fucking car crash after car crash but there's something about it that lures you in and i think the biggest thing is the fans the live fans oh my god i forgot how loud a pop could be when a wrestling fan loves something it's fucking crazy yeah well, I think the fans are definitely bred from the indies. Like uh, that's true. You know, like the like 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 Chicago had a, a like. Look at Toronto. Can't you? I, I can't wait till Toronto gets like before COVID. We had Greek Town. We had Destiny. We had we had um, uh, we have uh, Super Kicked. We have smashed Toronto. Um, then you go up to Barry. We have Barry, Barry wrestling. wrestling. You go out to Hamilton. Alpha. They got uh, they got their their stuff out there, you know. So like just in a driving range of a little bit, you have like six indie wrestling organizations, and they're bringing in some of the greatest talent. Like if you like hardcore, go to Greek Town because that's they they're because Channing Decker is obsessed with ECW. Uh, and bringing in ECW legends. Yep. You want the best card with the best stories? Go to Destiny. Iceman is a great booker. He all like for their their Halloween match. They're up and running. They got uh, Gallows coming in to face Josh Alexander. Yeah, I know, right? That is a match that people want to see. Yeah, you know, yeah, and especially in a small venue like the Don Koloff uh, Arena. Yep. Um, so then. You know, Smash, my God, I can't tell you the wrestlers I've watched over at Smash right? over the years. A who's who? You, like, could, you could go down up. Like, put it this way. Before COVID, everyone yeah. who you, we used to see in Smash is either on AEW Dark or NXT TV pretty much nowadays. 
Yeah, you okay, yeah, exactly. Like you're talking about you know, you see uh you know, when I remember when when uh Evil Uno and Stu Grayson made their debut at the first all out years ago, I was like, Oh my god, the Super Smash Brothers. Yeah. I was so excited because I'm from Ottawa. Oh, they're so there, from Ottawa. Yeah, so there you go. You know, yeah, yeah. Uh, and and they're they're getting over and they got these people and they're making a, a, a seat <laughs> right and a throne <laughs> for Evil Uno. That's and awesome. then Evil Uno lost all of his weight and he looks even better now and he works even better he, because he's healthier and great Mike you know, Grace and great are Mike such work. a great tag team. Yeah, such a great tag team. Oh yeah, and I think that they wrestled. You know, like there are other like. Uh, 2.0, they're another tag team that came in. Buffalo also, the Buffalo crew, like Daniel Garcia, yep. he's wrestled a ton in Toronto. The Blade, the Blade, I was just going to say. Uh, Bunny, Toronto. Yep. Uh, you know, um, uh, there's so many, so many great wrestlers that are down there you name that it. are out of Toronto. Yeah. It's just like, when is Big Money Banks going to get his call? When is he going to get the chance? You know what I mean? Like, he, he's by far probably like you get you could put a speedball banks money match together. That's one of the best matches in the world at anywhere at any given time. You know, I saw speedball against uh, Walter. Oh yeah, one that's one of the greatest matches. Great match, right? Right? Yeah. Well, you should watch the uh, Kevin Lee match. That was a great one too with speedball. I've also seen Speedball wrestle Bobby Lashley here in Toronto. Oh shit! Nice. Right before Bobby Lashley went back. Okay. And that was and that not, not, not Speedball lost, but um, Bobby Lashley put him over in a promo after the match. Like that guy is, you know, got him to come out stand at the ramp and just praise him on how great of a match he just gave Bobby Lashley. And this is right before Lashley went back to the WWE, ah, which is like he's been killing it ever since so thank you for going back to the wwe but thanks for taking a picture with me in, in toronto you know oh i'm um, sorry yeah. that was keith lee not kevin lee what the fuck am i thinking kevin lee i'm, I'm thinking i'm a may oh, fighter keith my lee. the bear cat the bear cat yeah That's well well, well at least he's on tv right <laughs> yeah, i don't know uh, why i don't know it's like the wwe is so good at destroying wrestlers as good as they are as creating wrestlers you know, it's so true. It could go either things, way. One of the things I love about Daniel Bryan or Brian Danielson or the American Dragon, what he was saying to Kenny Omega mm. was, "You may be the best wrestler in the world, but you've never wrestled anybody on my level." Mm. And that's true. WrestleMania is still the elite. Being in the main event of WrestleMania, that is above that. It's still the spot. And no matter what anyone is, says, it's true. Is Daniel Bryan has been in that spot and he's won. Yeah, he's won the main event of WrestleMania, yep. and Kenny Omega hasn't. Big difference between the Egg Dome and uh, and and uh, you know uh, the Dallas Cowboys Arena or their stadium. You know what I mean? Like, right? Uh, the New Japan people don't really cheer that loud. You know, they just clap, and so especially during a Kenny Omega match, it's a lot of clap. But um, and whistling. Don't forget the whistling. <laughs> Oh, and the whistling, yeah. But you know what? You know, like, is Okada better than Daniel Bryanson? Uh, we are Brian Danielson? Okay, how about this? Know. I'll put you on the spot. What did you enjoy more, Okada and Omega, whichever one of their matches, or Omega and Danielson? 
Okada and Omega. Okay, me too. Because everyone's saying the opposite, and I'm like, I don't think no. so. Those Okada matches are classics, man. I don't. I don't. Uh, I, look at. I gave that match. I gave it. A, I gave it five stars. Sure. With the match they had, the twenty minute to twenty minute draw. But Okada is like, you know, that's a seven star match. <laughs> the, the seven stars only it goes for Okada matches. Yeah. Um. To be honest. When we see Brian or the American Dragon versus uh, Kenny Omega for the title, mm-hmm. that might be a seven-star match. But who knows? Like I love Japanese wrestling. I love Okada. I love Tanahashi. Uh, you know, I love uh, Suzuki. Um, you know, and uh, I, I love there's some Sandata. Uh, I could go on and naming Japanese wrestlers that I love. I don't. I, as J, Jay White has to have a beard for me to, to hate him. <laughs> Otherwise, I can't. He looks like John Cusack, and I don't like him at all. Oh fuck! So, That's what it is. Whatever. Thank you, because there's something about him. Like skills aside, obviously, because all these guys are great in the ring. There's something about him that's like I don't know. I can't get behind this guy as a character. I don't know why. And, and that's why guy. he looks like John. Cusack. That's what it is. And it has I can't to be. Take him as a heel. So it's but true. Now, but ever since he grew the beard, right, right. No problem. Great heel. Okay. You know, great heel. But um, <laughs> Naito, oh my God. Oh, yeah, I love him too. Me, Naito, like I've seen uh, New Japan in uh, at the Globe in L.A. Oh, okay. And I've also seen them um, come through twice with Ring of Honor. Yeah, so have I. War of the Worlds. Yeah, yeah. Me, and that's yeah. like, do you remember when uh, the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega took on SCU and Tanahashi? Yeah, of course. Like, that match was one of the best matches I'd ever... Besides Osprey and Cody Rhodes earlier that night, mm-hmm. that Young Bucks match, like, was so good. So good. It's just too bad the next time they came through with the War of the Worlds tour that the card was so much crappier. They didn't have any of the... You know, they didn't have Naito. They didn't have, uh, you know... A lot of this, like, the first year they came through... Everyone was they had all the yeah, stars. I know. Everybody except for Okada. Right. Like, I remember the lineup for the Bucks and Kenny Omega was through the roof. Mm. And then the lineup for Tanahashi was non-existent. And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> I'm like, fuck, fuck the Young Bucks. Uh, Tanahashi's a way bigger legend than the Young Bucks. Of course. You know? And uh, I got a picture with Tanahashi. I love getting my pictures with wrestlers because I just, I turn into a kid. Like, you can see, I'm one time... After Survivor Series in L.A., uh, we were walking the streets, and all of a sudden, I'm with my buddy, and I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. And he's like, you're going to be all right? And I'm like, fucking Raymond Rougeau's coming down (laughs) with his wife. (laughs) And I am like, you don't understand. I know we talked about not having wrestling, but I grew up in Ottawa. And before I even got, when I got into WWE wrestling at the start, yeah, yeah. I also started watching other wrestling. Sure, and that would include from Quebec yeah, international right there. wrestling. Yeah, yeah, and so or or La Lutte Internationale <laughs> as I watched it on the French Channel. Sure, and the Rougeos that that's where they started. Of course, so I knew of the Rougeos before WWE, ah, and okay. before they even went there. Yeah, yeah, and like Ricky Martel, the same thing, and Dino Bravo. Yes, and yeah. like all these wrestlers all these I knew. Yeah, of course, you know. They all came out of Montreal. Rikishi, uh, Haku, you know, Samu. You know, they all came out of Montreal before Crazy. they went to the WWE. And uh, 
So when I saw Raymond Rougeau, I fucking yeah. turned into a little kid. And, like, the picture of me is, like, yeah. like, it's on my Instagram. I'm just, like, glowing like a little kid. Like, I was so fucking happy. That's awesome. Uh, you know, which is, like, when I met Stone Cold, I was afraid to even smile. Just, like, Stone Cold, like, yeah. you know, mug, mug your face, you know. Sure. But, you know. Of course. Okay, we could talk so, wrestling all day, and I'm gonna have to have you back because we're almost pushing an hour already. And I could talk wrestling all night too, like you know what I mean. But before we get to the worst story of the week and wrap this up, I want to touch on your podcast, obviously. Like yeah. you said, talking wrestling podcast. So obviously, you've told the story of how what influenced you and whatever got you into it. Okay, what I want to know: when you used to book guests, what used to infuriate you the most? Because as a fellow podcaster, I've got some. Fu- I don't want. I don't want you to name names, obviously. But I got some. I'll name fu- names. Oh, oh no. no. <laughs> I got horror stories too, my friend, but it's, it is very infuriating dealing with different sets of people other than a set co-host, I would assume, right? Yeah, no, no. Well, the, the, the reason why I went on the last, this year I went co-host strictly talking wrestling because I just got tired of chasing guests down and having new guests every week. It is hard. And, uh, I know. And, and, it, and it's hard. People think like, it's easy. I, I want people to be re- like the wrestling fans. So it has to be somebody I think like I can have a childhood friend on sure. and, but what's the, and, and, and we can talk wrestling and that works too. But, you know, I like them to have something extra to bring to the show, you know, like something from their life. That's interesting, whether they're an actor or a comedian or somebody like, cause I want to show that wrestling fans are not just geeks. They're people from all forms of life. Thank you. You know, like you have somebody like James Sabowski on. Yeah. I don't even know if you talk wrestling with him. I did. That guy's been a wrestling fan his entire life. I, we actually did touch on it. He, about him interviewing The Undertaker. <laughs> yes. Well, I've got what's known as, people know, seem to think is, is uh, what's known as one of the greatest Undertaker stories of all time. Oh. Okay. I tell it, I tell it uh, live. At my shows, okay, okay. It's a it's a bit of a story. I'll tell it. I'll tell it. And I'll share it with you because I'll show you the condensed version. Sure, go for but, it. But um, and then we'll do the word story. So, so yeah. So so anyways, but booking guests is the toughest thing to do, and the worst is is when they say they're going to be a guest on the show, and they say they're going to be a guest on the show. You try to hammer out a date, it doesn't work, and it falls through. It's like that's my you. biggest problem too. Yep. It's like come on. Come on, how busy are you, David Arquette? Can you not <laughs> be for a minute and just just follow through on your promise to do my podcast? That's hilarious. I watched you almost die. I was there that oh, night. Oh my god! We made eye contact. <laughs> That's got to mean something. He looked at me. I looked at him. I was like, "What the fuck, dude? You're almost dead." Oh, you know. Like, I was there. I was at GCW that night. I was oh, on shit. the ring apron. If you watch You Can't Kill David Arquette, oh, yeah. you will see me. I'm standing there holding my phone while everybody else left because of the fucking flu- the light. Uh, you're breathing in glass. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. When the fluorescence. Yeah, yeah. Everybody left. I didn't the even white know. Powder shit. I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah, of course. Oh, well. Oh, now you do. Well, jagged little pill. Me and my breathing. So... <laughs> Um, Undertaker. Yeah, so that's the Undertaker. Okay. Uh, when I was before I was a comedian. Um, okay. I was I worked at the Lone Star, like I said. Yeah. yeah. And I worked with the the old Lone Star owner. He was a CFL player. Oh. Uh, all pro, Ottawa Rough Riders, and then Winnipeg Blue Bombers won a Grey Cup, 
And then he opened up the Lone Stars. Oh, and so that's he, how and it he is. opened okay. up. Yeah, he opened up the Lone Stars, Smart. and he's the original owner. Okay, okay. And his name is Val Belcher, and uh, you Google him. He passed away years ago. Okay, but uh, he was a friend of my dad's. He hunted deer with us. Oh shit! And, at our hunt camp, and uh, he also hired me at very young to be in his catering company, mm-hmm. and then to work in his restaurants. Mm. So anyway. One time he comes up to me at work and goes, Casey? And I said, yeah. Yeah, Val, what's up? And he goes, I heard a story that uh, that you were a big wrestling fan. Okay. I was like, yeah, huge wrestling fan. He goes, yeah, do you know a wrestler by the name of uh, The Undertaker? <laughs> I was like, do I, know the under- do I know who The Undertaker is? Yeah, do you know who The Undertaker is? I was like, yeah, it's The Undertaker. Of course. Everybody knows who The Undertaker is. Yep. He's like the most famous wrestler in wrestling. And then he's like, yeah, well, me and The Undertaker, we grew up together. I'm like, Fuck what? off. He goes, yeah, me and The Undertaker, we grew up together. Right. He's like, uh, we grew up in Houston together. Our dad, he goes, and then he said, our daddies were best friends. And I said, well, I don't know about that because everybody knows his daddy died in a funeral parlor fire. <laughs> so, so, now, when I said that, <laughs> I expected a response like you. The laughter. But he doesn't know anything about The Undertaker except oh, that he grew up with him. Okay. So he's like, he looked at me, he goes, his daddy didn't die in a funeral parlor oh, fire. Oh my God, this is so So funny. I'm like, kayfabe, kayfabe, right? hello. So anyway, I was like, never mind. And then he's like, well, hey, can you do me a favor? And I was like, what? He goes, if you're ever at a wrestling thing and you see him, can you tell him I said hello? Oh, my God. I was like, oh, yeah. Next time we'll have him beers with The Undertaker. I'll tell him that we have a friend in common. And then I'll name drop you. Oh, shit. And then we'll be besties for life. Oh, shit. Sure. Love it. And he's like, all right, thanks. He didn't know I was being sarcastic. Right, right. So... This is 1996. Okay. 97. 97. So, that happened in August when he said those things. We're going to fast forward August, September, October. It's now November. It's not only November. It's the, okay, November, uh, the Sunday, the, the November of the Sunday... Okay. That um, the Survivor Series happened. Okay, sure. Montreal screw job. Oh, okay. I did not take. I did not go to that because I had tickets for Raw in Ottawa and Cornwall. Okay. So obviously, Bret Hart's not going to lose the title in Montreal. I'm going to get to meet Bret Hart through my connection in 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 Ottawa. Okay. It was all set up because Gwen Kalka, a CFL player who I knew at the time. Right. He was being trained by Bret Hart. Oh, shit. He was going to introduce me to Bret Hart. Yeah, yeah. It was a big deal. I was really excited. Yeah. So, sure enough, we go, and, uh, you know, I don't, Glenn Kalka, I don't get to meet Bret Hart. Of course. It sucks. The Undertaker's not even there to even tell him. (laughs) And, um, you know, and then, uh, so the next night, Glenn Kalka said he'll leave his tickets for the tickets in Cornwall. Sure. They're doing the taping the next night for the next week. Okay. That that week was the week that Rick Rude was on Raw and Nitro, and Nitro sure. at the same time. Of course. That's the show we were at. Okay, cool. So 
we get down there, there's no tickets for us. Oh, no. So then we're waiting outside, we're waiting outside, and then this guy comes out in the lobby. He doesn't leave the venue. He doesn't, he just, he's in the lobby. And then he sees that we don't have tickets. He gives us his tickets. And he said, you want these backstage passes too? What? We're like, sure. And he gives us backstage passes. Okay. Because this guy uh, owned a Harley dealership in Cornwall, Ontario, and he lent Harley Harley motorcycle. He lent the motorbikes to the DOA. Oh, okay. So the DOA had motorbikes sure. to go into. Makes sense. So that's why he was there. Okay. So then we get his tickets. Yeah. We go in. We're twenty five rows up, camera side. Oh my god. We're awesome, and we have backstage passes. Yeah. But we don't even know where to go. We don't know anything. So at the end of the night, we just go to the back. I said, let's just go to where they go, where they leave from. Right. Everybody's got to go through the loading bay. Let's just go to the loading bay. So as we're at the loading bay, everybody starts coming out. Now, my buddy Chris, he's the biggest Undertaker fan ever, and he's with me. Okay. And he's a total fucking Undertaker nerd. Right. And the first two people to come out were uh, Stone Cold and, um, and uh, Brian Lee. So Brian Lee comes out with Stone Cold. Sure. We only have two pictures on the camera. Two pictures. Oh, my God. And I said, we have to save them for someone good. Sure. Before Stone Cold came through, at least 20 other wrestlers came through that we passed on. This is Russian roulette, man. I'm sweating. But then Stone Cold came through. I was like, and I said, we each had one picture left. So I'm like, I said, I'm using my picture on Stone Cold. There you go. And then my buddy was like, I'm using my picture on Stone Cold. Oh, no. I was like, we should try to get a picture with Stone Cold together. That way we can save it for someone else. Yeah. But but how are we going to diss Brian Lee? And you're like, we can't diss Brian Lee. And then my buddy goes, hey, Brian Lee. And he goes, I'm a big fan. And he goes, and he goes can I ask you some questions? Fuck Brian him. Lee goes, sure. And he goes, uh, is it true that you were the best man at the Undertaker's wedding? Oh, my God. And, and he's like, yeah, I was the best man at the Undertaker's wedding. He goes, oh, is it also true that you're the fake Undertaker? Oh, my God. And then... And then he goes, yeah, that's the truth. I was the Underfaker. Okay. And uh, and then he just kept asking questions about what Undertaker. Because because I'm like I'm like it's not even asking him about Brian Lee. Right. He's just asking questions about Undertaker. Oh man. Because he's such an Undertaker fan. Yeah. Barely even talks to Stone Cold. I talked to Stone Cold about hunting. So yeah, we were having a good conversation. They leave. More wrestlers come through. Yeah. More wrestlers come through. Finally, all the wrestlers are gone, pretty much. Okay. We're like, should we leave? Yeah, let's get ready to leave. Uh-huh. And then we look, and all of a sudden, the fucking Undertaker's starting to come down the hall. Okay. And he's got his little trolley. Yeah. Full black leather duster. Okay. Fucking headband. Yeah. Like a biker, Undertaker biker yeah. headband. Of course. Glasses on, and like fucking not talking to anyone. <laughs> Just coming down. Just coming down. My buddy all of a sudden starts going to me like, oh God. Hey, Mr. Undertaker, I'm a big fan, biggest fan ever. Uh, yeah, big fan. <laughs> and, 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 then, and then the Undertaker sort of stops okay. in, in, in where we are. Yeah. And then he looks outside. It's like November. It's cold. Right. It's foggy. It's cold. It's a cold November night. Okay. And uh, he doesn't even want to go outside. And then he, he's standing there and he's waiting for someone. We don't know who's waiting for. Okay. So my buddy goes, hey, Undertaker, um, you, you're great match tonight. Uh, you're my favorite wrestler. <laughs> and then he's like, 
Because I always wanted to ask you a question, yeah. but I don't know what I'm going to ask. And then he looks down at his bag, and The Undertaker had a tour van. Okay. And uh, and he said, can I take your luggage to your tour van for Oh, you? my God. Holy shit. This... And then The Undertaker just nods his head, yes. Oh, and wow. does not say anything. Okay. And he nods his head, yes. And then my buddy leaves right. with, the, with The Undertaker's belongings. Yeah, yeah. Could have just hopped into a car and fucked off. No kidding, <laughs> You know, I mean, who knows what he got? Maybe the urn. Um, <laughs> so, anyway, he, uh, he, he, uh, you know, like, just, he, I, I, so anyways, I forgot one part earlier when he was asking Brian Lee all these questions about The Undertaker, yeah. and he knew everything already. Yeah. I was like, I was like, this isn't before the internet. How the fuck does he know all this shit? Wow. I was like, how many, how much money of his parents' money is he wasting calling Mean Gene's hotline? Yeah, you know? True. I'm like, he didn't, I know he didn't get his parents' permission. Yeah. You know? So, <laughs> anyway, um, so there's that line in there. They always get to laugh. But anyways, The Undertaker comes out. Yeah. He asks him a question. Now it's just me and The Undertaker standing there, oh, which is awkward. Right. And then I realized, holy fuck, I actually got something to say to this guy. That's right. And I said, okay. uh, excuse me, Here Mr. Taker? And he looked at me with glasses on still. I said, we have a friend in common? And he still had the glasses on. I was like, um, do you know, I said, I said, I worked for a big old Texan from Houston, Texas, and his name is Val Belcher. All of a sudden, he takes the glasses off, Uh-oh. and in a normal voice, which I'd never heard out of him before in his life, True. he said, in a Texas accent, he said, Val Belcher from Houston, Texas? I was like, Yeah. Val Belcher from Houston, Texas. He goes, our daddies were best friends when we were kids. Oh, shit. I said, I said dude, so it's true. that's what he told me. And I told him that was impossible because we all know your daddy died of a funeral parlor fire. Oh, my God. I don't know why I went for the joke a second time. Because wow. The, I wasn't even a comedian at that point. Wow. Like, not a real one. But I went for the joke a second time. What the and fuck? And he no-sold it. <gasps> He didn't even give wink or give me anything. He was like, oh, you know, like, <laughs> I feel he was def- like, oh, I like. So then I said, anyways, um, he said, anytime you want to go eat at the Lone Star, they're in most Canadian cities, he'll hook you up. I was like, hell, they'll just hook you up for free because you're the goddamn undertaker. Yeah. You know, and he sort of laughed. That's awesome. He's like, he goes, well, he goes, I'm going to Toronto and I got about six hours in the in uh, I got it goes I got the day off so I got six hours in a tattoo chair with an artist that I like in Toronto. Oh, so he goes I'm not going to have time to get to Val's restaurant. He goes, but will you do me a favor? Oh, and I was like, yeah, I'll do you a favor. And he goes, will you tell Val that Mark Calloway says hello? Shit. And I was like, all right. And he goes, I'm Mark. And I was like. <laughs> And then he said, I'm Mark. Now, I should have said, great to meet you, Mark. I'm Casey. Big fan. Exactly. I didn't. Oh, no. When he said, I'm Mark, oh, no. I said, I know. <laughs> you're like, of course I know you're Mark. You know? So I said, I know. And then I said, oh, and I'm sorry about my buddy. He's just the biggest fan of yours. Right. I'm sorry. And he goes, oh, don't worry. We get them every now and again. Yeah. And then he goes, he goes, but if you don't mind, he's coming back. So I'm putting my glasses back on. So he puts his glasses back on. And then he just sort of goes back to standing there. I'm like, 
holy fuck, I just had a conversation with The Undertaker. Right. And it, it, awesome. out, of, out of character. And so now he's standing there. He's got the glasses back on. Meanwhile, uh, a girl is brought over by a road agent, a beautiful blonde girl mm-hmm. that is not his wife, Sarah, nor the name on his neck. <laughs> so she's saying, Mark, let's go. Mark, let's go. My buddy comes back and goes, I still don't know what to ask you. I want to ask you something. Oh my God. And she's like, Mark, let's go. It's clear to me she's waiting for him to go on the trailer and they're going to get it on. Because he's a professional athlete and that's what professional athletes do. There you go. So, you know, I can read the situation. He's waiting for, you know, my buddy's still like, I don't know what to ask you. I don't know what to ask you. And then finally, he goes to him. She's like, Mark, let's go. And he's like, hey, how are your wife and kids? Oh, my God. I, my mouth dropped. Oh, my God. The page that brought the girl out, her mouth dropped. And this is what the Undertaker's what the... response was. Okay. He took off his glasses. Oh, no. And his eyeballs were rolled into the back oh. of his head. And he looked down at him. And he said, you talk to me like you know me. And, or he said, you claim to know me. You talk to me like you know me. And my friend was like on his knees begging for forgiveness. He's like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And then the undertaker just like fucking put his glasses back on. And he just walked off into the fog the way the undertaker does. And the fog just sort of fucking ate him up the further he walked. And I'd never talk to him ever again. <laughs> now that's an Undertaker so that's, story. That's my Undertaker story. You know, we have a friend in common. My buddy asked the dumbest question ever and humiliated everyone in that situation. So, you know, and I don't think it's, it's any, and there's no shame in telling this story because the Undertaker has been married four times right. and he's famous for traveling and going to strip joints. There you go. So, you know, there's a little bit of devil in The Undertaker. I'll just say that. <laughs> I'm not I'm not breaking any new news that The Undertaker cheats on his wife. Right. You know? So, and if I ever get to meet him ever again, I will say, do you remember? <laughs> Fucking my buddy? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Uh, Why didn't you hit him with the urn? You know? So, anyways, that is my Undertaker story. Um, I've been lucky enough to get to meet some of the fucking best people because I've had a good life. So there you go. You know, Love some it. of my friends when they when I went down and did we watch wrestling the podcast for the first time, I had so many crazy stories involving wrestlers and all this. One person called me the Forrest Gump of wrestling. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah. All right. Well, we went over a bit, so. That Undertaker story will tops any weird story I could come up with this week, so we'll leave it at that. That is sort of a weird story if you think about it, because you know, who, yeah, who would yeah, say that to totally the Undertaker? Is. So, <laughs> yeah. And who's the Undertaker's friend? Do we know any of his friends? No, nobody knows any of his friends. Exactly. I did. Yeah. I knew his friend. I was the same. I, the Undertaker, and I have friends in common. It's so nice, uh, a little thing to say. Exactly. So, all right, Casey, plug yeah. your shit where people can find you. Anything you want to promote for is all yours, my friend. All right, Spotify. Go there. Four CDs and a talk show. Uh, talking Wrestling on Spotify. Uh, you know, and the cars, what he said, rate, review, subscribe. 
uh, follow, whatever. Everything helps grow, you know. And um, and uh, you can find me on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Casey Corbin Facebook page. Uh, check all those out. I don't take that many friends on Facebook because I fucking hate it. So if you ask me, my friend, chances are I probably won't even answer. <laughs> but you're more than welcome to join my Facebook page. Uh, you know, and if you and if you do want to interact with me, uh, I don't know, Twitter, Instagram, whatever, talkingwrestling.gmail.com. There you go. So, um, yeah, that's where I am. So, and that's where I'll be. Other than that, check me out live, corner, yuck yucks, uh, absolute comedy. So, yeah, that's going on. Perfect. And for myself, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter under Finger Styles. You can follow the podcast on Twitter, the podcast app. Email us your thoughts, suggestions, comments, anything you want to get off your chest at thepodcastdap at gmail.com. Please rewind to the top of the show. Support those fine sponsors because if it helps them out, it most definitely helps me out. And most importantly, just like Casey said, please rate, subscribe, review. That's the most important thing. That's what gets you searchable. That's what gets the algorithms up, as they say, all that fun stuff. Again, that's how we get noticed. So please, please, without people doing that, it means nothing. The listens are great, and it's half of the battle, but the other half is rate, subscribe, review. So, awesome. Okay, one last thing, quickly, 30 seconds before I let you go. Last question, as I usually like to do with my guests. Dead or alive, if you could have any wrestler on your podcast, who would it be? Um, I'm going to say Hulk Hogan because I think I can get Bret Hart. Um, Sure. So, like, look, me having a conversation with Bret Hart, uh, that seems like something that can possibly happen. Mm-hmm. Hulk Hogan, I don't know if that'll ever happen, let alone get him on a podcast. You know, but Hulk Hogan is the guy. Hulk Hogan is my Eddie Murphy. Okay. Hulk Hogan that's is fair. the guy that got me in a like. That's what got me in. A, or no, yeah, Hulk Hogan got me in the wrestling. He's always been my favorite, but Bret Hart is my favorite wrestler. So I would say Hulk Hogan is the dream guest. I've had Jimmy Hart. I've had Hulk Hogan call Jimmy Hart while on my show. Uh, so technically, he has been on my show. Um, Jimmy Hart take has uh, told me that if I ever go to Tampa Bay, he will take me to Hulk Hogan's okay. uh, Beach Bar place and introduce go. me to the Hulkster himself. So, um, you know, fucking, I had tickets to the, that Tampa Bay WrestleMania that was canceled. Mm. And I was going to, and that was the same year that I met Jimmy Hart, and I was going to go meet Shit. Hogan. I was so yeah. excited. Oh, damn it. The way life uh, plays itself. But that's my answer. Hulk Hogan would be uh, is my dream guest. Awesome. You know? On that note. Even though everything he says is full of shit. <laughs> I still want him. I still want him. So, yeah. Awesome. Hulk Hogan. On that note, he's Casey. I'm Steve. This is the podcast. Peace.